Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. Oh, hope everybody is doing good and feeling fine. <laughs> um, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am on the land, the unceded land of the Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Calitz, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, so many other tribes that made their home here in Portland, Oregon, where I live. I want to remind everybody that saying a land acknowledgement is important, but it is the beginning step. And I was reminded of this um, on this podcast I listen to pretty regularly, All My Relations, that is um, recorded by two Indigenous women, and I will put the link in um, in the show notes. Uh, that is where we start. We start with a land acknowledgement. We start with seeing our power in the world. And from there, we don't stop there. We don't sit, sit on a land acknowledgement. We move into putting our money and our power and anything we have into supporting the causes of indigenous people. And one of the ways that you can do this, which I love, and we talked about um, on another podcast, when I recorded um, with my friend J.R. Lilly, he and I discussed it because I believe he's on the board of the Indigenous Marketplace, PDX. Also, we'll put in the show notes. I bought some beautiful earrings from that website and gave them to a friend for her birthday. The money is going to the creative people that made it, or if it's um, a way to support the, indig the Indigenous Marketplace, it goes there. Anyway, that's a good way to put your money back into the hands of creative people instead of buying from someplace that is ripping off native culture. You can put it right back into the hands of the artists and the creators. There is There are so many things. There's art and musical instruments. There's bath bombs. There's jewelry. There's weavings. There's just... I mean, you name it, you could probably find it on there. I'm pretty sure there's food too, but that is a really good way. I mean, I am a creative person and I don't want the money to go to somebody else. I want the money to come straight to me or at least the acknowledgement to come straight to me. So that is my little plug for the Indigenous Marketplace PDX. Strongly, strongly encourage everybody to get on there, no matter where you are. I'm sure they'll ship to you. Um, if not, find a indigenous come up in your in your area where you live and see how you can support that. If you're not sure about native causes, you're not sure you haven't done the research yet into different native causes that you maybe want to support, that is a good way to support indigenous people and put the money right into their hands. It's also a good gateway into figuring out where you want to put your money and what 
causes and uprisings you want to support. Another way is listening to all my relations. So that's my, that's my little commercial. How is everybody doing? I'm doing okay. I have good days and I don't know if I'd call them bad days. Um, just, just very up and down. I, at this point, I'm looking at it like at least one day a week, I'm going to have probably a decent morning and then, you know, kind of a shitty afternoon, evening. That's how it's kind of played out in the last month. At least one day feels pretty hard. And I guess out of seven, that's not bad. I'm not saying in the other six that I don't have ups and downs, but um, really at least one day a week, it is a struggle. And um, I just want to acknowledge that because, again, this time of year, there tends to be a leaning towards pretending. And we're all encouraged to do it. And I don't even know if I'd say that's a bad thing. I think I'd say it's more of a problematic thing because we can end up getting into a cycle of pretending so much that when reality smacks us, you know, right in the face, we're shocked by it. And so if we can hold some kind of, you know, middle ground of letting ourselves pretend a little bit, like, you know, you know, that saying where it's like, I guess, fake it until you make it a little bit of that, like we are pretending until we can make it a little bit but also holding that tension of the real reality that we're living in. For us, I've talked about this already, it is very likely that um, we may not get to see our son for Christmas. We found out today that California is doing a two-week crackdown because they are reaching that tipping point of so many cases that um, hospitals will not be able to handle it once it gets, it's so close to that edge that they won't be able to come back from it. And our son is there. And so that's a real thing that I'm holding that he may not be able to come home for Christmas. There's a second thing I'm holding, which is, my God, I have no control over this. My child is an essential worker. My child has to take the bus. My child is dependent on that money coming in. And so many of us are holding that for a family member, for a friend, you know, for a partner. And it's just a hard thing to hold. And I was laying in bed last night and I was thinking about that idea that people can get used to just about anything. It's almost like the Stockholm syndrome. I'm probably not even getting that right. But, you know, you can just get used to something. And I think that's a way of coping, which is probably good because we don't want to live in not being able to cope. But it also is a painful reality that we just are getting used to, in some ways, the way that this is. 
So I'm not saying that a little bit of pretending, a little bit of stretching into, you know, the joy, the glitz, the tree getting, you know, the decorating isn't good. I think it's, I think it is what it is. And sometimes that's what we need is we need some Christmas music. We need to make some muddy buddies, which is what my daughter made us last night. And we watched a Christmas movie and we laughed and we cried and that's what we could do. So just reminding everybody out there that's listening that we are holding, we do this every year. So this is nothing new. We are holding different realities, you know, especially for those of us that have hard families, hard situations, we are holding different realities that we're having to navigate all the time. So that is happening all the time. Now, on top of that, we are holding a new reality globally, universally of a pandemic. So none of this is new to me. It's just taking on deeper, deeper meaning, and also just new understanding like i'm i'm flexing in in the things that i felt like i kind of had a handle on to some degree because of how long i've been doing this tips and tricks for holiday survival and it's taking on different meaning and i'm having to redefine some things and that's just the way it is and i just i want to that's my elephant in the room right now and the dogs are like, wait, we're not elephants. Anyway, years ago, I took all of these things that I had kind of made for myself, my bypasses, my my tips and tricks for the holidays, and my husband helped me turn it into a zine. Now, looking back, I'm looking at the zine right now, You almost need, you almost need a magnifying glass to read it. That's not really the point. Yes, a zine is like, you want to be able to read it. And at the same time, it's really about that back pocket idea that I'm always talking about, having something in your back pocket. And you could literally put this in your back pocket or slide it in under your phone, in your phone case, put it in your breast pocket, whatever. It's small. It's a very, very compact zine that goes through all of these things that I've talked about. What are your non-negotiables? So if you haven't listened to that episode, that is the first one of the holiday season that I talk about. And then the next one that I talk about is really, I didn't call it this last week, but it's really about taking an honest look, taking stock of your situation, the situation you're in right now, and not just assuming that things will go a certain way. Again, that's that's that, um, you know, living in that denial, living in wanting things to be a certain way, and they've never really been that way. You know, somebody has always been an asshole, so if you kind of prepare for people to act the way they usually act, you're not blindsided. There's a new holiday movie out, and um, I don't remember what it's called, and it's 
it's pretty problematic, um, but it's about these two women that are together and they're in love and one invites the other woman to spend the holidays with her family and it's magical and she's just saying how how magical it is at her parents house and and it's a total setup there is one she's not out of the closet she doesn't tell her girlfriend until they're almost to the house that she's not out of the closet and she hasn't told her parents and She's not planning on telling her parents. So that's, you know, probably not extreme case for some people, but I can relate to those situations where you're trapped somewhere. And also her painting a certain picture in her own mind that was so deceptive that she actually believed that her family was idyllic and her family was so far from idyllic. So those are the things that we're holding. We're holding all of these tensions and ways of being. And at the same time, I'm guessing you, like me, want to be as fully myself as I can be. I, it's hard for me when I end up in a situation where it's almost impossible to be the real me. Because the casualty of that is not just I feel bad about myself. There's so many things that I have to make up to in myself. And so it just has this effect on me that probably is harder than it needs to be, where I really, I, I make myself pay. And then I have to apologize to myself and I have to come back to some kind of rhythm and attuning to myself that I was doing before I got into the situation where I wasn't being able to be authentically me. I want to talk today briefly about expectations. We go into the holidays with expectations. And I am a firm believer that it is difficult to not have expectations because we're human and humans have expectations around the way we want things to be. And that's just real. That being said, there are ways to mitigate having expectations that are un unmeetable and that are based more in the pretend or the way we want things to be or the way we think things should be and bringing those things more into reality. It's very much like Uncle Frank always is racist, but I'm sure he'll be fine. You know, I'm sure he'll be fine this year. He's not gonna say anything. You know, that was just a one-off. No, it's not a one-off. Lead inside yourself with the idea that X equals Y equals, I don't know enough about, <laughs> I don't know enough about multiplication to, to use that example. You're not going to get a different reaction. You're not, you're not going to get something different. 
you're gonna get the same thing. Now, he could completely surprise you. It is possible, unlikely, but it is possible that over the course of the pandemic, he's done some real work. But if you don't know that, you need to go in expecting what you've gotten in the past, and then you can be pleasantly surprised by something different. But if you are expecting somebody that has always behaved a certain way to surprise you and act different, or even more than that, you're in such deep pretend mode that it does not even occur to you that they are a problem every single time. Then you got to look at that because that is a setup for some deep pain for you. Because then you're always experiencing that slap in the face. You're always surprised. You're always caught off guard. And you're, you're also living in this world that is not real. And that, that non-real world, I would say, is more painful than the real world. Because at least in the real world, you can hold that tension of Uncle Frank always saying something that is racist. And you can then formulate ways of confronting him on his racism, on his sexism, on his homophobia, whatever, whatever it is. But if we go in pretending that that is not going to happen, we probably are not going to confront it. And then we're going to be caught off guard and we're going to be like, whoa, I, what just happened here? When he's already shown us who he is and what he's going to do. When we look at our expectations, that doesn't mean we're going to get what we want. It just means that we're looking at the possibilities. And in the in the zine that I made, my husband and I created a um, a game, which is comes out of the. It comes from something that we have in the United States, and I'm guessing is probably all over the world. Mad Libs, and it's you know they'll take a cartoon or they'll take uh, whatever, and they'll do a little story and there will be blanks in the story and then you can make it really si silly or crass you know when we used to do do them with the kids when they were little just about everything was farts and toots and pee and burps and stuff like that <laughs> so we we made a mad lib that helps you look at your expectations in a realistic way but also in a game which can kind of you know, let your guard down and not feel so overwhelmed by it. So it goes something like this. I want my blank to act blank. They will most likely act blank. And so that sentence is, I want my person in the room to act positive adverb. They will most likely act negative adverb. <laughs> so... We even give you a list at the bottom, and I can almost read it. It's like, take breaks, 
generously, mom, dad, grandparent, sibling, boss, partner, friends, crush, housemate, kindly, lovingly, respectfully, tolerantly. So let's let let me fill in the blanks for you. I want my partner to act respectfully. They most likely will act pushy. Then there's another one. I want my person in the room to act positive adverb. They will most likely act negative adverb. There's also the bottom one is um, at, and then the blank is occasion. I want to be able to, then the blank is form of self-care. This will require that I blank preparation techniques. So at the occasion is grandparents' house. I want to be able to, the form of self-care, have a boundary. This will require that I, preparation technique, take a break. You know, that's just an easy template to use. The reason that we do this, again, is because we don't want to be caught off guard. Because our caught off guard ends up taking a toll on our authenticity. So let me say that again. We do this because we don't want to be caught off guard. Because being caught off guard takes a toll on our authenticity. And our authenticity is who we are. And what happens in those moments is we can blame other people. Definitely, we can blame other people. And that sidetracks us. Not that they're not doing shitty things. That 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 is not taking away the I'm just gonna say it, the fucked up things people do. And at the same time, we have a responsibility to ourselves, to that person that we've been nurturing and caring for and teaching and parenting and loving and you know, getting therapy and listening to books and podcasts and all these steps forward into health, release from shame, we owe that person integrity. And integrity says, I need to look at the situation in a realistic enough way that I'm not going to keep repeating the patterns. One of the ways that I've done this, and I know it's a process, and I want to say very clearly, I have had my own process with my family of origin for years we we didn't talk and then my dad made movements toward owning and taking responsibility for actions and we started to build a relationship again and in the beginning phases i would say to my kids they play by different rules and those rules are not the rules that we live by in our house we live by you know, my body is my body. I have a right to protect my body. Honesty, integrity, safety, care, all of these things that we hold in high value and that we're teaching. When we go into somebody else's house, but they are playing by different rules. And, and the fact that they're playing by different rules 
sometimes those rules are in direct defiance of our rules. And we can't change somebody else's rules. So how do we keep ourselves intact in those places where maybe they're not dangerous or unsafe, but they're not the best place we can be, or there has to be a lot of conversation after about how that was. And we took different steps over the years. Sometimes we engaged more. Usually our engagement with my family was very short because there was still so much owning that had not happened, so much so much reconciliation that had not happened. And I had to hold most of that. And then over the years, have a little bit more interaction. And I got to a place in my healing where I realized that I was holding so much when I went into these places. I was holding this tragic, terrible thing that had happened to me as a child and basically not pretending that it had happened, but hanging out with people that denied that it had happened to some degree and also were constantly trying to get me to engage with people that definitely did not believe me. So, so let me paint a picture for you. You know, I would agree to come to some portion of Christmas. My oldest sibling does not believe me, has not made any reconciliation or sorries or healthy avenues towards a relationship with me. The only thing that they've done is written me a letter, basically not owning anything, (laughs) putting it on me to, to, to make some kind of relationship happen with them. And I am absolutely not going to do that. That's not, that's not the way I am in the world. And it came to a head a few years ago when I realized that even though I had done all this work and that work is valuable and that work has propelled me forward and probably that work got me to the point of being able to go, I am putting myself in this situation with people that believe me enough that I grabbed onto that believe me enough and made it enough for me and it was not enough because I was having to do all the contorting. I was being the contortionist in the relationship. I was doing the bending over backwards. I was doing the going and the showing up and the boundary setting inside myself that would take weeks. And I also realized that I was modeling to my children that that's how they should be in the world. And that hurt me on such a deep level that I had somehow maybe communicated to my kids that it wasn't enough to just be. They needed to bend over backwards to make other people happy. That's what I'm talking about. Even though I had done all this work, I was still contorting myself for other people because I didn't want to be the bad guy anymore. I didn't want to be the one always making waves. I didn't want to be the one that was the problem. I I, I don't like being the problem. It hurts. It hurts to be the one that's always saying no and always saying, having to go, that doesn't feel good to me. That is not a nice place to be all the time. And I understand that on a very, very deep level. 
from that moment on, I drew a line in the sand that I would not do that to myself anymore. Which means I have to say no. And I have to say a no that is so rigid that I am the bad guy more often. I have to say a no that is so rigid that it protects me. But one thing I learned from Anne Lamont, and I am forever indebted to her for these words, is it is easier to come back from a no than a yes. If I lead with a yes, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, it can be the mildest thing. Like a couple days ago, I said to my friends, oh, I'll do a fire pit and we can hang out in the backyard and it'll be really nice. And I didn't have the energy for it. And so I had to call them and say, I just don't have it in me tonight. And I have good friends and they are flexible. And so it was fine. But with people that are not flexible, like our family can tend to be, or situations that we're already at a disadvantage in, it is very hard to come back from a yes. If you lead with, yes, I will be on that all-day Zoom call on Christmas, but really, you can't, you don't have the energy for it. When we say, actually, no, I'm not going to be there, then people feel like we're letting them down. But if we lead with, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. If anything changes, you will be the first to know. That is so much easier because then you can call up and go, hey, something opened up. Is it still okay if I join? And if it's not, you've prepared yourself ahead of time to go, okay, I got to be prepared that I'm not going to be able to do it and be okay with that and have something else emotionally available or comforting if I really wanted to join. But if we lead with a no, it is so much easier to keep our expectations in check. Because expectations that we have so often are based on the expectations we think others have of us. Expectations that we have are often based in the expectations we think others have of us. So that's not really based in reality. We don't know what others think of us. We're just guessing, unless you have one of those lovely family members that tells you how shitty they think you are. But at least you know. It's not in your imagination. You know what they think of you. But we are trying to mitigate hurting people's feelings based on an imaginary idea that we think they have of us. So when we own our no, when we go in to situations having spent even just a tiny bit of time going, okay, I have an expectation that, you know, this is going to happen. Is that really realistic? You know, it could be as simple as I have an expectation that this thing is going to be shitty and people are going to be assholes. And do I still want to go? Well, maybe I do want to go. And here's what I'm going to do to get out of it if it ends up going that way. And then the expectation could be, we could be wrong. It can, it can happen the opposite direction too. We could be pleasantly surprised. It's the awareness beforehand. It's the sitting with ourselves long enough to just go, okay, this potentially could happen, but it may not. 
but I'm going to be prepared for it. It's like what I'm talking about with Zion. It is likely that he may not come home. Can I really do anything about that? Can I really prepare? The way I can prepare is to just let myself feel sad about that possibility. And there's nothing wrong with that. When we deny ourselves real human emotion and feeling is when we are tricked into that pretending. And then that's when we get blindsided and tricked and then caught off guard and slapped in the face. Remember that these things are just potential ways of being in the world, not just restricted to holiday season, but can be used at any time. They're just things that I've come up with to help myself navigate a world that can be pretty hard for me to navigate the trauma that I've had growing up. Hello, everybody. I'm here with my friend Jennifer Jepson, and she was a guest um, early days of the pandemic. And we talked <laughs> about what she does, who she is, and how she is in the world. And I'm, I know that's shifted and changed for everybody. And I'm pretty sure it's shifted and changed for her. And I wanted to bring her back on to share how she's surviving, either how she's surviving, not surviving. Does she have anything that she's learned that maybe would be a nugget of grace for us, reprieve? And if not, I want her to talk about that too, because I think that is just as valuable knowing that we're not alone in the struggle of what this time can be like, not only as, you know, as people that celebrate Christmas, but whatever the holiday you're celebrating, it comes with stuff. And so thank you, Jen, for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Angie. It's always so fun to talk to you. And I, I feel the same about you. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot has changed. Yeah, you've moved and you're in, (laughs) where in Colorado are you now? So I am just, I'm in a little town called Berthoud. It's just south of Loveland and just north of Longmont. So um, a little bit, probably about 40 miles from Denver. So not, I'm not out, not too far away. Just, just change towns, which it's odd how even just 10 minutes up the highway, you have an entirely different culture to figure out. You know, you've moved and things are, things have changed. I'm sure for your family, for your children, is there anything that you have noticed? Because one of the things that I'm kind of holding in tension with myself is that some of this is good for me, like dealing with family or having to decide how to navigate not going certain places I don't have to do Mm -hmm. right also Mm -hmm. I realize there can be a fallout from that in some ways Mm -hmm. you know I am an introvert I um, love my time to myself and so in a lot of ways this Mm -hmm. is beautiful because 
there's all these reasons why I don't need to get together with yeah. people. Um, unfortunately, that also means my, um, I have two kids in college now and then one in high school. And that means now that since his school is back online, that he's home all the time. I so <laughs> of that situation. Yeah. So there's this new, it's this new tension that's arisen that, um, surprised me. Uh, and we're figuring it out, but it's hard, you know, that's as a mom, that's a lot of loss that you get to carry for your child. And then, yeah. And then it's lost for the marriage. You know, if you're partnered with somebody, it's, there's a a new relationship that has to be rebuilt there. And then also my own personal expectations that I have to um, navigate. And I um, resigned from my pastorate position early in the COVID season. And so now not only am I home, but I'm home with not a lot to do. (laughs) And so that now taps into issues of worth and purpose and time um, how I spend my time and feeling um, like it's okay how we get through mm. the day sometimes. Mm. And then adding grief because it's, a, it's been a, a deeply grieving season mm. for me. So um, there's just a lot of, a lot of factors. And I don't, I, w- I was about to say competing factors, but I don't think they're competing. I think they're all working together and um i just have to rest in it thankfully i did buy a new house we bought a new house new to us house and it's super fun and i'm loving the opportunity to create new spaces to create beauty and um, giving myself the permission to make that enough Mm. right now Mm. that's good yeah, it feels good. It feels good. Do you good. have a, a way that you do that? Because I'm sure you're a human being. So I'm guessing that it ebbs and flows that you have days when that, mm-hmm. f- when those feelings of mm-hmm. not enough creep in. What oh, yeah. What is your, do you have a go-to that kind of helps you get back, you know, after or helps mm-hmm. you re-engage with your world? Yeah, some days are yeah, just okay. shit. So you just give them up and go hope you can go to bed and it'll the slate will be clean yeah. the next morning. Um, so I have to give myself permission for that because you yep. know grief, it just does its thing, and you kind of can sometimes manage it, and sometimes it just manages yep. you. So I've had to let myself off the hook a lot, and I'm not very good at that. Yeah. I'm getting better though, thankfully. Um, I started a yoga practice. A very, it's a very rigorous yoga practice, and it's three days a week. And I go to a place, and we all wear masks, and we're super distant. And that seems to be the thing right now. That is, I can bring all this shit to the mm-hmm. mat, and I can't do my practice or the part of the practice I can do because I'm still learning um but I can't do it if all that stuff is in my head so something has to go either I leave 
or 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 the things in my brain right. have to go. So that seems to be the the real thing right now. And I can count on that three mornings a week. And if I do it at home, I can count on that too. I do a lot of walking. Very, I need to yeah, be physical. Me too. Um, mm-hmm. So walking, um, exploring our new neighborhood, um, trying not to drink yeah. too much. And, you know, thankfully my partner, my husband, Eric, is um, we've been able to maintain a, a pretty solid relationship and um what a joy it's been to discover him as my Mm. friend in this time of of real loss for myself um that's that's been really quite a discovery too to rediscover my partner that's beautiful (laughs) it's neat to be able to I try not to burden him too much you know how these things are you don't want to overstay your welcome but he's pretty good about being there for me as I am for him because he certainly got his things too so (laughs) um so yeah I guess it's just kind of a mishmash I do a lot of writing just personal journaling I um I um will write and write and write and write and that gets it out of my head Mm -hmm. too it's just a fascinating time we there's not a lot to hide behind right now we don't have all these coping mechanisms anymore so we've got to contend yeah with ourselves. yeah I mean for me I think uh <laughs> I mean we do have them but what I've noticed is for me they wear off very quickly like That's technology like I get bored with it so quickly even like creative endeavors I can do them for a little while and then you know, I have to be with myself. I know. I know. Yeah. And I think some days are mm-hmm. easier than others. Oh, yeah. How do we give ourselves the space to let that be what it is instead of judging it like crazy? Yeah. I think that that thing where you're the thing that caught me off guard a couple of weeks ago is I had a really good morning. And... um mm-hmm. I couldn't put my finger on what happened. I just, you know, just hit a rock bottom of like sadness and depression. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, I see this. I can't really do anything about it. And it was like five at night. And so I just, and I never run at night. And I haven't even really been running very much. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about that the last time. It's just, I can't do what I was doing before. Uh, mm-hmm. I really have to stop and listen to my body, which feels weird in some ways to be like not pushing yourself a little bit, you know, because usually you're if to get better, to be a better runner or to be able to go farther, you have to push yourself a little bit. <clears throat> but right. I was like, I got nothing. I got so much pent up energy inside of me that that's the only thing I could think of to do. So I got the dogs and I've been running this hill near our house. And because um, I, <laughs> my secret, <clears throat> excuse me, my secret um, mission is to build my lungs up. So when I come to Colorado, I can go hike and not have um, my brain filled with blood. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's so real. Yeah, it's nothing so real. makes me feel like I haven't done anything quicker coming to Colorado. Hey. Um, so I was running and I didn't take my music or anything. It was just me and my feet on the pavement. And this this used to happen a lot when I ran and it hasn't happened in maybe even since we did the bridge, but I, the rhythm of my feet on the pavement gave me a line in my head and that became a mantra, but it's also become the song that I'm working on. It was a gift in the middle of this just despair. And mm-hmm. all I could say to myself, I am alive and that's enough. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. No. I've seen you post that. And I think yeah, that was from my, there's no reason except every reason, <laughs> you know, every reason mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. it's hard. And there's so many things about this, like you were saying that are beautiful and I don't want to change. And I think that some of it is I know that change is going to come and I am resisting inside returning to normal because normal killed people that I love. Oh, normal was terrible. And also, I mean, you, you probably see this, you know, as an introvert, we need the rhythms of downtime. I mean, I think people think they're decorating for Christmas because they you know they need Christmas and I'm sure that's a big piece of it Mm -hmm. but I was saying to Todd the other day I think people also have time you know some people don't Mm -hmm. some people are working probably more than ever but maybe they can they're in their house so they can decorate so I think Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it going Mm -hmm. do you see the way that we're supposed to be living looks Mm -hmm. not like the not seeing each other and the, you know, those elements, but this slowness that we need, our bodies need, our culture needs, our systems Mm -hmm. need, because the way everything was going, choose up vulnerable, exposed people. That's what it's made for to chew them up so that they, you know, so they they can keep churning out their product. Yeah. And if you're at all in a creative field, like say you have to write sermons or create music or whatever it is, you don't get to just say, okay, on Tuesday, I'm writing my sermon. Yeah. I mean, there's some discipline to it, of course, but I think what I was divorced from personally in my work was this notion of doing like an eight to five job. But I think what I'm realizing is, I don't really have a job right now, but what I'm realizing is my optimal functioning. And I think for many people, it probably is work and life are just intertwined. And um, thankfully I don't have little kids at home because that would be a whole different conversation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, work and life, we work so that we, it's part of us. Our work is part of us. It's not this thing that's the separate entity. And so how do we factor it into our daily functioning? So it's a beautiful interplay, right? But yeah, it's a, I don't 
know of many people who can no because they're they're trying to get away from their work because their work is not their vocation not what they're doing they're working because they have to provide for their families and all of the strings that come you know that come with that right yeah it's really this whole thing has challenged me in so many good ways and in not so good ways i mean you add a pandemic on top of our political climate you add that on top of our actual climate you were infested with wildfires just as we were here and so then not only is it just my physical health it's the planet's health it's our global health, our national health. And so for people like you and me, we don't just hold our own bodies. We hold all the bodies. And so also what I'm really learning is the importance of um, scaling Mm. down. Um, And what is in my immediate world? What are the needs in my immediate world? We might've touched on that the last time we were talking, but as a, I don't know if it's a Christian thing or just being a human thing, but there was this notion of, we have to be bigger. We have to get better. We have to be more. And I'm finding just, I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me to platform anything. I don't have it in me to like social media myself. I just don't, I don't have any room for that. And um, I I think this is important for all of us to pay attention to right now. Yep. To to get, how do we get small and, and notice the things in our immediate worlds? Yeah, neighbor, what's going on in my town? What's going on? Um, Like how, how, I think some of us need to get smaller and maybe some of us can start mm-hmm. radiating out. But um, like for me right now, it's, I'm really at the, the I'm at myself. That's the only real place yep. I can serve right now is myself. And that is a foreign thing for mm-hmm. a good Christian yeah. girl yeah. to center That's down so on oneself and go, Oh my gosh, I know. And I, it, I, when you're grieving, you don't get to no. really choose oh, that's beyond. Very true. <laughs> and um, I think we're, I think if I can speak for all of us, maybe we're all grieving yeah, at some level. I, yeah. I, if I would find it unbelievable if people aren't grieving and if they're not grieving, I'm not trying to judge that, but I think you'd have to be not paying attention a little bit because our there's too much suffering and there has been for a long time. The pandemic is added suffering. And then that added mm-hmm. suffering of not being able co- to connect with people that you love and love you in ways that are meaningful and physical mm-hmm. touch and all these other things that there's got to be some global grief happening, which, yeah affects the world in which we live those things just because we cannot see them with a human eye do not mean they don't affect the world we're living in right and then i think on a larger level 
we're called, at least I'm called right now, into a dark night. So I am in this spiritual dark night, personal dark night. I think we have to all go into that yeah. dark night as we're called to. And we're, we don't do that well. We're not built for that right now. Our systems aren't built for that. I hope that we can all give each other permission to enter the dark mm. night, whatever that looks yeah. like. And give ourselves the permission to enter it. I was having a conversation with a pastor friend and he said, you know, the dark night is where you really rediscover who God is. And I'm like, I don't like that. (laughs) I was kind of mad at him because I thought, oh, no, God and I are good. (laughs) But you go into that dark night and you, I am like, does God even exist? (laughs) Like, and we're going to the fundamentals. And I'm not somebody who ever has questioned that in my life. So, wow. (laughs) But it's important and it's important work. And I, I'm hopeful that we can spur each other on in the good work. Yep. That's really, that's really what I wanted to reiterate to people or, show by talking to different people is there is not a right way to do this. And the reason this time is important is because it's winter. So we typically would be sort of locked up, you know, not literally, but we'd have limitations because of weather or whatever. And on top of it, we have these specific time markers that bring up stuff for us. And Mm. some of that stuff is painful, traumatic, because we were children and we had no way out of the environments that we were brought into. Nobody listened to us. Mm -hmm. Church, you know, compounded that. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be trauma. It just has to be, it can be as simple which is not very simple, but it can be as simple as having to pretend from, you know, in America, from Thanksgiving to New Year's, having to pretend to be joyful, having to pretend to have this idyllic family, having to pretend that you liked what you got, you know, like having to pretend (laughs) that this these people that are supposed to know you don't know you at all and you have to be okay with that like all of this to the time we have a chance to kind of get up and breathe but we don't have typically at this time of year to breathe and kind of go okay where are my boundaries what do I want how am I feeling but we're just blasted and so there isn't a right way to do it and the right way is listening to ourselves and that's what you're saying like getting back to the root of ourselves yeah and it's um that's been the the biggest gift in my personal time is learning myself oh and it's it's scary because i i had to just do the things you know i didn't really know myself 
And so to learn oneself and then to learn oneself in the context mm-hmm. of a marriage and then to learn oneself in the context of parenting and then, and, and then all the other stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of work. Yeah, is a lot and of then work. you're like, oh, and on top of it, I'm under a microscope. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all frayed at the edges because of a pain. I know but yeah it's the holidays certainly um the holidays certainly exacerbate things don't they I, I we are recording right after Thanksgiving and um we kept our Thanksgiving small one of my kids um in college has COVID so he Is couldn't he- join us and he's fine he'll be fine um but it was like oh oh these yeah. are all real yeah. things and Thankfully, we're fine, but my parents lived just down the street. We couldn't yeah. get together with them, and um, that's it's sad. It's just yeah, sad. And I think maybe that's what we're both saying, Jen. Is and it's getting me in my heart space. It's like we just need to fucking grieve. We just do it. Yes. You know, she says it sad. in her new book, and you're saying it. Like, there's no timeline to grief. You know, you may wake up in the morning and be lamb blasted with grief. And by, you know, an hour later, you're like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. Or, good. You know, or <laughs> a song snags you and you're down on your knees, unable to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I thought about this when you were talking and I. It sound to me, it sounds kind of. I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I feel like (laughs) we need to grieve because our planet and people keeping us alive, you know, that are part of that, the fodder for capitalism, you know, they're, they're expendable to capitalism. They're expendable to Mm -hmm. our life. Our planet and people Mm -hmm. have been grieving for generations. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's time we grieve. We have to. I don't, I, I don't know how we do this without it. Yeah. I, I, my daughter left for college and she's my only daughter and she left for college and I thought she was only going to be gone for two weeks because of COVID but she wound up being there for most of the semester and I something happened with Eric and I I can't remember but I was grieving her leaving because the relationship as a mother mother to child relationship it it changes it doesn't matter if they're gone for two weeks or two years. It does not matter. Or forever. It doesn't matter. It changes. That's a fundamental yep. shift yep. in the relationship. And she's my second child. I did it with my first child. And I did it with my second child. And I will do it with the third child. But I remember I made dinner, a decent meal. Eric and I were <laughs> on edge. And I took two bites, got it from the table, put my plate on the counter Mm. and I went to my bed and I cried and I cried and I cried Mm. for hours and I realized grief 
my daughter leaving, that was one thing, but it was all the other uncollected mm-hmm. grief got yep. picked up with it. And so not only was I grieving her, I was grieving the loss of my work. I was grieving the loss of my, you know, all yeah. the other things I lost. And it is tough yeah, it is. work. And you know what? It was so yep. good to do. Yep. And I'm so glad that I have learned to listen to that and to give myself the mm. grace mm-hmm. to honor it because it's a call. Because yeah. I can deny it. You know, I could yep. drink. I could go shopping online. You know, not that I don't do any of these things. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's like, just can't yeah. do it right now. I can't. I don't have grief. In, yeah. I don't have grief time right now. <laughs> But I did at that moment and, Mm. and I did it and it was horrible (laughs) (laughs) and so, so good. So I think if we can all just take these moments and when I'm out for a walk and, you know, we had just like you, we had smoke. I'm I'm not far from the mountains. I couldn't see them for like two months. That is grief. Yeah. That's grief. It's, it's grief to see a tree die. It's, it's grief when we haven't had rain for two months. Mm -hmm. You know, this is all stuff that we have to feel. Well, and that's the thing is, if we feel it, it fundamentally changes us. And we can't keep doing what we're doing. And I think that's the fear. It's like what you're saying about your daughter. We can try to stop it. We can discourage them. We can crush their dreams. We can do all that. And people do. But it's still going to change. It needs to change. That's part of Mm -hmm. development. They have to Mm -hmm. go. Whether that is actually physically leaving. Mm It's not the same for everybody, but go from us. That's part of the process of adult becoming an adult and it grievous and it changes our relationship and it will not go back together the same way. And if we grieve what has happened to our planet and what we're participating in and what has been done to us and what's been done to the people that, you know, to indigenous people that, lived on the land and the land was theirs and they didn't give it up all this stuff if we grieve it we're making room for it and as you make room for it feeling it you can't do things the same way and that's what we're resistant to right Right. i think about my own experience with learning about my white privilege and discovering my race how Mm -hmm. racist I am and my white supremacy and the systems that I'm a part of that I benefit from I that's a that's a grief that is a serious grief and I'm realizing that I can't do the work around that unless I grieve and I think this is the cry for lament this is the important work of lament and it does not jive with our capitalistic no, no. system. Well, we don't give anybody time to, <laughs> so, to do the, the basic lament right. that they need. We don't let people grieve, take time when their family members die. Exactly. 
And then you look at now, we've got a, over a quarter of a million people dead in this country alone from COVID. And you know yeah. we're all feeling well, that. Not to mention if you've had yeah, a, had a loved one yeah. pass. And so, and then what's the collective grief around that or the personal grief around that when you can't even yeah. collectively grieve yeah. properly? And all the ways we have symbolism, so, all the ways that we do grief culturally, you know, mm-hmm. we can't do. So that's going to come out right. when we can do it. So if we, yeah. if we let a little yeah. bit of that out every time we feel it and we, like you're saying, you, you don't always have the space and the energy to grieve, but if we start to let a little bit of that out, one, we don't take it out on the people we love. Right. Doesn't come out too I sideways. used to say it's like a jelly donut. <laughs> it, like it gets squished, squished. Eventually it comes out the wrong holes. It's just... <laughs> yeah. All over your shirt. <laughs> you know, so... We don't want to do that. We want to let it out. And if we let it out now, yes, we're mm-hmm. still going to have to let it out when this is over. You know, whatever that mm-hmm. means. But it's not going to have, I think, the ricochet and like the um, fire hose effect that it could have if we're dealing with it on the regular. And I don't know about you, but I think things are way more fun when I get to do oh, it with sure. people that I love. And people I really enjoy. So I hope this is work that, I mean, we can start it now. We're doing it now, you and I. But we do this Mm -hmm. work together. And it's, um, there's just, it's so good to have somebody say, I see you. Yeah, I I hear you. That's hard. Um, And the validation that comes with that. And so I'm hopeful that, our communities can can become more whole. And um, when we're all back together again in person, it's not like we yeah. can't do it now, but um, I'm just hopeful we can create spaces for that work yeah, to be done. And I, I know you do that already in your work, and I hope to in whatever's next for me to be able to do that myself. Well, so. I... You know, when um, you do it yourself and you're doing it on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you you can't do it unless you've done it. People do, people do exactly. and they do damage. But, you know, you've mm-hmm. got to be doing that work on a regular basis in yourself in order to not damage other people as you walk them through whatever they're going through. And with that point, I think this brings me and us completely full circle in that during this pandemic, my world has had to Mm -hmm. get really small. And it really has been doing my personal work. And I'm taking this time to just... I don't want to say dive in because that's a little mm-hmm. too much, but yeah. I'm digging in. So you're, t- you're toe in the pool <laughs> and, and maybe you're whole half. Yeah. I, I, some days I can dive in and other days I, I, I'll dig a little bit, but um, that's mm-hmm. where I'm at in this whole season right that's, now. 
And I figure, you know, I'm learning a little bit about Buddhism right now. And one of the main tenets, forgive me if I butcher this, but um, is to, to give oneself mm-hmm. loving kindness. And once, when we can do that, from there is yeah. where we change oh, the world. Oh, for sure. And that's, um, that's where my Christian faith has brought me as well as what I'm learning about Buddhism and what I know internally that I need to do right now. And so that's, that's really the, mm. my main focus and keeping my, my kids alive and my marriage together. It's enough work. <laughs> it's enough work. <laughs> it sounds uh, basic, but it's no. not. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I love you. And I really appreciate you taking the oh, time you know, giving us your vulnerability. Yeah. Thanks, Angie. Thanks for providing an opportunity for me to put myself out there a little bit. It's nice. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. I appreciate Jen taking the time to talk to us. Just tell us what she's doing. It helps me. It helps me to have those conversations with people to hear how they're taking care of themselves, you know, what they're doing to kind of make it make it all work for themselves, that is helpful to me. It makes me feel less alone. I hope that you also feel less alone. I recommend taking a moment to center down and think about your expectations going into the season. We're still at the beginning of December, but we all know how fast it can go. You know, even in a pandemic, I'm guessing it'll go at light speed. And if we just take those moments, you know, light a candle, have a cup of tea, go into your bathroom and just think about what your expectations are. It could just be simply your expectations on your family in your house or your roommates or your friends. Just be realistic about it and kind to yourself and it'll help you be kind to others. If you're interested in getting this zine, Reach out to me at angiefatal at gmail.com or on my Facebook at Angie Fatal Soul Care or Instagram, Angie Fatal Soul Care, and I can get you a link to it and you can print it out on your own and just have it as a reference. It's a good, it's a good thing to have in your back pocket. Remember that you're not alone. Remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. And that is not bullshit. Take care, everybody.